Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. As we kick off today, it's our last message in this series, The Time Is Now. And it's going to guide us for a season to come. Really, the end of the vision series is the beginning of the action. And so it's kind of, you know, we've talked about it. And, uh, and many things are already in motion, but uh, we're going to kind of put some legs and handles on things where you can grab a hold. And I'll tell you a lot about that today, a lot of things, opportunities that have recently come about since we began praying. But here's kind of four actions that we said as a church we're going to take specifically, and it's this, to pray. Uh, we believe apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And you would think that prayer is just a normal way that we communicate with God, but often prayer life uh, slips away so easily. Everything else crowds out time for listening to God, reading God's word, being with, with the Lord. And so we're going to say as a, as a church, not only as individuals, but uh, over the course of this next 18 months, we're going to pray more as a church corporately. Also that we will share, and sharing begins with listening in our culture. It's not just about getting your information out, it's about listening. Now, on your seat around you, there are some You Matter invite cards I would encourage you strongly, grab those today, take those out, invite us it's, it's to the launch of the Oakwood campus next week, invite somebody this week. But you matter Sunday next week, we're going to be able to just share how much God thinks we matter and also how much we think as a church that, that people matter to us. And so just kind of walking through the story of Jesus and what it means that we matter to him. And, uh, and so next week, that's one way to share, invite somebody in, um, but also to give to be faithful to give. If you call Riverbend home, we said uh, through this kind of vision these next few months, just be faithful to give uh, through tithes and offerings to the Lord. We really believe that God will provide everything that, that he wants us to do through your generosity. And then uh, your time and serving, that's another thing we give. And right now in our River Kids and our lobbies and other places, there are folks serving, already doing this. And then the last one is care. And this is where I'm gonna kind of lean in and challenge you at the end today. Uh, it's really where you put your shoes on and begin to live it out. You begin to live out what we've said we're going to do. And so um, we've heard the message, it's time to put our shoes on. It's kind of the way that I've been thinking about it this week. But we've walked uh, through this little book of Haggai. He's sort of been like our vision guide uh, as we walk through this tiny book. His life or his ministry happened in, in the year 520 B.C., and just like he, sh he showed up in Israel, ancient Israel, like with an alarm clock almost, going, hey, the time is now. It's time to build God's kingdom. It's time to get about the vision that God has for your life. No more time to wait. They had been waiting for 14 or 15 years, just kind of making excuses. And Haggai shows up and said, it's time. Don't wait anymore. There's some things you've been procrastinating on, and you got to get to it. And so that really goes for our personal life, not just for the church, that there are probably some time, or there's some things in our lives that it's time, urgent time for us to pursue Stop putting it off. Start pursuing the vision God has for us. And so that's what we're doing as a church. Um, <clears throat> today we're going to be in the last three or four verses of this little book. So if you want to get there in your Bible, Haggai chapter 2, the last little part there. But let me give you a little recap of the book of Haggai. Haggai shows up. He says, the time is now. Your lives have been hurting because you've been disobedient to God. And now uh, it's, it's time to get obedient to God. So they start obeying God. They're led by this guy named Zerubbabel. They start building the temple, they obey God's word, and then God sends another message, and he reminds them of this. Your best days are ahead, 
not behind you. You remember that a couple weeks ago. And then last week, uh, the message that Haggai had showed up and said, he said, I'm going to bless your seed while it's still in the barn. In other words, if you'll just be obedient in this season, if you'll do what you need to and what God's called you to right now, he will bless and put his favor on the next season of your life. And so that's kind of what Haggai shows up saying. Well, today, you can almost read these last few verses and just go, does that really make any sense? Let's just move on. Sometimes, you know, when you get to the end, if you're reading a book of the Bible and there's those kind of concluding, you just want to skip through it a little bit. That's sort of what I wanted to do. I wanted to just roll this into another message and just go, well, amen, good book of Haggai, let's go. But as I studied it a few weeks ago, the Lord just started showing me his plan. And do you know what God showed me? I kept reading this, and here's what kept coming to my mind. God wanted to remind them in all their struggles of building that he was for them. So here's the message today. I'm going to give you the big message up front. You have a God that is for you. You have a God that is, that is for you. He's, he's for you in so many ways that you can't even count them. Scripturally, he's for you. Practically, he's for you. Spiritually, he is for you. So do you really believe that God is for you? Do you live like it? That's a question that I ask myself. Do I wake up every day, put my shoes on, and walk out of the house going, I have a God that is for me? I'm not talking prideful. God hates pride. I'm talking about confident to walk out of the doors, even in my, on my suffering days and even on the challenging days and even when I've been beat up and even when depression's coming and even when you're wrestling with anxiety. God, I, I know all this is true, but Lord, I'm gonna step one foot in front of the other just believing it today. God, you are for me. And so that's what Haggai ends with. The message of God at the end, God reminds them, I need to tell you in all the struggles that are ahead of you. And by the way, if we're gonna see a vision fulfilled, there are gonna be struggles in the days ahead, church. For your family, there's gonna be struggles in the days ahead. So the last part of this message was God just saying, I need to remind you of one thing. I am for you. I am for you. Now, I love this message from Paul because he kind of had to convince the church of this in Rome. Look what he says. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Now, he wasn't saying that we won't have enemies. He was saying, but if the infinite God of the universe the one that cannot be contained by anything that our minds know in the cosmos, that God, but who is also so personal to know the intricate details of every one of our lives. If that God is for us, there's nothing that can stand against us. See, we live in a culture where everybody knows what they are against and who they are against, but do we know what we're for? Do you ever stop to think, we've been so trained to identify the things that you don't agree with it can be theology. Did you know that it split up good church friends? It split churches. Because you get so focused sometimes. And I'm not saying there's not certain you know, lines where theological integrity is compromised. I'm just saying that sometimes it's petty things because we only focus on what we're against. It divides people. It divides our world. Focusing on what we're against divides people. We decided a long time ago as a church that we were gonna focus on what we are for. It doesn't mean that we don't hate evil and that we're not against what the Bible's against. But what it means is we're going to be a church that like shines as this beacon of hope, just saying there are some things the church is for. God is for people. He proved that at the cross. God is for his church. He says it over and over and over again. We are his people. And so what I want to walk through today is why in this passage in Haggai, why I believe God is saying he's for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? And so do you know ultimately the, the display of God being for us was the cross? 
He came and he laid down his life for you and for me. Like knowing exactly how bad we are some days and how depraved our minds are and how messed up we are some days and how we tried to climb, climb out of the things like addiction and the strongholds. We try, but sometimes we fall. Sometimes we wrestle. And he saw all that and he said, I'm gonna come for you anyway. And he lived for us. He died for us. He rose again, and then not only that, he put his spirit inside of every one of us that will say yes to Jesus. And so he says, I am for you. I wanna read this word in Haggai today. Look what it says. On that same day, now if you remember last week, December 18th was that last message that I'll bless your seed while it's still in the barn. So two messages one day, and I couldn't help. This is just like my, my, my old school church PTSD. We had two services. How many of you grew up in church? You had the Sunday morning service and the Sunday night service, and it wasn't the same one. It wasn't like, hey, come back tonight because we're going to repeat. It was like two completely different services, right? That happened in Haggai right here. Like, he had one message, and he's like, amen. They all went home, and I think he had to go, wait, 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 come back. We're having the PM service now. So he goes, on the same day, December 18th, the Lord sent the second message to Haggai. Now, here's the interesting part. He didn't send the message until after the first message was preached. That's not a lot of preparation time, is it, for any communicators in the room? He was like, you're going to have to believe me. I'm I'm just going to give you the word and you speak it. But it's the Lord sent this message, tell Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, that I am about to shake the heavens and earth. I will overthrow the royal thrones and destroy the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overturn their chariots and riders. The horses will fall and their riders will kill each other. Now, a little gruesome, right? It's God like breaking bad in the last few sentences. But when this happens, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will honor you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant. I will make you like a signet ring on my finger, says the Lord, for I have chosen you. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. And here's where I want to get the I am for you today, peace from God. There are at least seven I statements in here. God says, I will shake the heavens earth. I will overthrow the thrones. I will destroy the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overturn chariots and riders and they're gonna kill each other. I will honor you. I will make you a signet ring. I have chosen you. And when I saw that, I said, I have to preach a message on this because the Lord was reminding them, I am for you and here's what it's gonna look like when I am for you. In the great test of rebuilding the temples, rebuilding the temple from rock bottom, God was giving them this promise. It's almost like he's implying there's gonna be struggles, so you're gonna need to remember when you don't see me and when you don't feel me. When you come to church and you don't have that fuzzy feeling. When you come to church and you're wondering where God is that day. When you wake up on Wednesday and it was a difficult week so far and you're going, God, do you even love me? In those moments, you're just gonna need to lock this in. I am for you. And that's what the message is today. So I believe it's, it's for somebody today because it's, you have an impossible vision in front of you for your family. Like where you are now and where you want to get, it seems impossible. To get free from the addiction, to get your family where God wants, to get that healing in your mind or in your life, to do the great things that you know God has called you to do. But you have to go back to this, like God is for you. Let, hear him say that over you. I'm for you in it all because it's going to be a hard journey. Now look at this one more time. Here's what God said first, the I am. He said, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth. Why is this important? So far over this four months time, they had only received a message. They hadn't seen a miracle. I mean, if you read back through it, they, they hadn't seen God like, you know, drop fire from heaven. He said, you go up to the mountains and get the timber. You bring it down. You rebuild the temple. Like he put, he put job responsibility on them. But so far there were no like miraculous healings. 
The wall didn't just pop up around Jerusalem by itself. God could have done that. Up till this point, all they had to go on was the word. They didn't have any experience of God. That's a difficult place to be, isn't it? I mean, we live in a culture where people say, if you'll just show me God or let me feel, then I'll believe. Just like God operated in the Old Testament, though, he wants us to extend our faith to him. The crazy thing here is they had, they had already been being obedient, but they hadn't seen him. Now God's telling them, but now you're about to see me. I'm gonna shake the heavens and the earth. Do you know what God was really saying here? Here's what he was saying. I'm gonna show up in the right time. And so that's the first piece. How is God for me? Well, God will show up. He said, I'll shake the heavens and the earth. And he was, uh, he was implying that even a few years later, not long later, he was gonna show up and begin to let uh, kingdoms be overthrown. He was gonna let Israel kind of have a rise moment again. He was ultimately gonna let the temple be rebuilt even better or gonna be kind of fixed up better under King Herod's leadership. And so he was fast forwarding really to the time of Jesus. I'm gonna shake the heavens and earth. It was about 450, 500 years later after uh, Zerubbabel got the uh, temple finished. Here's Jesus shows up. So that's what God was referring of. But when he said, I'm gonna shake the heavens and earth, I couldn't help, but my mind couldn't help but go to the book of Acts. Because when God shows up, there's often a shaking. Look what happens here. Acts chapter uh, two, verse one, it says, on the day of Pentecost, and this is the day that we, uh, you know, kind of the famous day in scripture where this, Jesus has ascended to heaven and now the spirit of God is being poured out on the church. They said on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roar of a mighty windstorm. And we don't know if everybody across the city heard this sound or it was just the people, the believers in the house, but they heard it. It was almost like they felt a storm going on in their lives, like God was showing up. And it says, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And it said, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And it, listen, and, and if everything was normal up to that point, it wasn't anymore. Let me just tell you, it was shaking. Maybe somebody's knees knocking together, but it was the, at this point, they're like, what is happening? Fire appeared and settles on them. And then this is the real beauty. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Jesus told his disciples, I'm gonna pour the spirit out and then it happens here. He shows up. He says, go and wait. If you read it, he actually says, go and wait until the spirit is poured out. There was a waiting period in obedience and then God showed up. Check this. I, I almost feel positive there's somebody in this season right now. God's given you a vision, but you're in the waiting period and you gotta be obedient before he shows up, until he shows up in your life. Now there's some testimonies around the room too. You used to be in that waiting period and then God did show up in your life. He answered a prayer, he came through. He came through on his word, he came through on what he had spoken to your heart. So not long after this happened, one of my favorite verses, I always think about it when we're having prayer gatherings, is Acts 4.31. It says, you know, they were praying. After the prayer, the meeting place shook. And I've been praying this week, like this morning when I, I, I got up, I prayed this over the church, I was like, God, Shake the place with your glory today. Shake some hearts that need to believe in you again. Shake some people that are struggling and remind them how much you love them. Lord, just, just show up and grab them by the shoulders and just say, hey, I love you. You matter. Maybe it's through another person or maybe just the spirit of God speaking out to you. But it says the meeting place shook. And what happened? They were all filled with the spirit of God. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. See, I wonder... If the reminder for you at the end of this vision series is this, 
You have a God that is going to show up in your life. Don't you get discouraged. If you feel that depression and discouragement like we talked about, I guess don't stay that way. You may not be able to help feeling that way. Maybe that's impossible. Don't stay that way, though. God is going to show up in your life. Probably for all of us, there's some prayers that we're still praying right now. But go back and look at God's track record in your life. Sometimes you just need to look back through. If you got a journal or even a calendar, if you don't keep a journal, look at your calendar. Sometimes pulling it out, remembering the things that you were praying for in different seasons, and then look what you have now. Look what God has done now in your life. Over your marriage, over your kids, over your mental health, your ministry, even your personal war against sin. It may just be, God, I need you to show up, and he will. But God is for us also because of this. He shows us in Haggai. He will fight for us. Israel was weak, broke, and struggling. That's like most of the parents in the room, right? If you got kids, <laughs> weak, broke, and struggling, but we're here, man. That was really Israel. Israel, they're weak, broke, and struggling. They don't have anything. I mean, it sounds, it's easy for us to read and sanitize the situation. Like their city is still in shambles. They're still like, you know, fire, fire pits and ashes everywhere as they're trying to rebuild the temple and they don't have anything and they're small. They used to be 6 million in number. Now they're, you know, 50,000 or so in number. And so God's saying, I'm going to give you a city again. I'm going to bring glory to this city again. I'm going to make the future glory better than the past glory. And they're probably in their minds going, okay, God, we believe you, but like you're going to have to show up and fight for us. Look what God says here. I will overthrow the thrones. He didn't say you're going to have to get together your little army and muster together strength and go out and fight to overthrow the people that want to come and take over Israel again. He said, I will overthrow the thrones. I will destroy the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overturn the chariots and riders and the riders will kill each other. So God here is saying, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to overthrow kings. Now, this speaks to the work of Jesus in our lives. See, the devil and our sin nature who used to be our ruler have been dethroned by Jesus. Now, we can submit. That's what the Bible teaches. You can submit to whomever you choose, to the spirit of God or to the flesh. You get to choose who you submit to as a child of God. But here's what Jesus said, kind of said to us, how it applies to us. He did overthrow thrones. There is nothing that has power in our life, not the enemy, not your sin nature. It does not have the authority in your life anymore. But not only does he dethrone the, dethrone the enemy, Hebrews tells us that he took away the power of the enemy. Look at this. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil. What was that power? The power of death. Power of death. Jesus broke the power of death, but he came and fought for them. Listen, you, if you continue to pursue being a man or a woman of God, for you that just got baptized and you went public with your faith, if you're going to walk that out, you're going to live for Jesus the rest of your life, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to be called to some things that are too big for you. You're going to have some battles externally and in your mind, and in your, they're going to be too big for you. You can't win on your own. I actually happen to think that whole God won't give you more than you can bear. I think it's garbage. Don't give me any ugly emails after the church. Here's what I think. I think life is too much for us. That's why Jesus came. I think that the family struggles you're in, you can't beat it on your own. Some of you have been trying and banging your head on the wall to get out of your addiction. You tried everything but Jesus, and he's just going, hey, here I am. You want freedom? Come to the freer. But we have to take him up on it. There are battles that we're going to face. And listen, you can't do it on your own. 
You keep trying to get your mind right and your heart right and try to make changes in your life. And listen, self-help is good. I'm not saying we don't have to do our part, but I'm saying without the God element, when we take Jesus out, we're missing the one who can give us freedom. He says, I'll fight for you. There are things in your life that are too big for you. I love this, uh, this song we, used to, we sing sometimes, This Is How I Fight My Battles. And it's just, as you're singing, you're fighting the battle. There are certain times you've done all you can do if you got teenagers in the house, you're going to know exactly what I'm saying because we raised two. You're going to do all you can do, and you're going to want to do more, and you can't. And you know what you got to start doing? Worshiping the one who can. God, I'm just going to give you. you got kids that are away from the Lord right now, and you're going, God, I wish they... You can't change it. You can take advantage of every opportunity. You can love on them, but you can't change it. You cannot legislate someone else's righteousness. It never works. So what do you do? You just start worshiping the one who can change them. Jesus, when you give me opportunity to speak your name, I will. But Lord, I'm just going to love and God, I'm going to give it to you. Maybe God called you here today. That's a side note in the message just to say, you know what? I just need to start letting God fight my battles because he is for me. I know my God is for me. Look what, what he says here. A really interesting statement, another I will. He said, I will make you like a signet ring on my finger. Now we don't talk about signet rings. I've studied the Old Testament especially, and so I kind of learned about signet rings uh, in, in Scripture. But if you know, if you're a history buff, you probably know. But it was a ring of sorts, usually worn on a necklace, not necessarily just on a finger, but it was a stamp of authority. And what it was, it, it would, uh, they would have hired a king, would have hired like a fine craftsman artisan, and they would have made a, a, a monogram, basically of very specific to the king that almost couldn't be copied. And they would take that ring, and if they were writing a letter, they'd roll it up and take hot wax, and then they would stamp it over the seal of that letter so that when that letter arrived, they would look and say, oh yeah, that is the king. That came with authority. Whoever possessed the signet ring of a king possessed the authority of that king. There's actually stories throughout history where other people would get the signet ring of a king and do really crazy things in the name of the king because they had the signet ring. And so here's what God is telling, or I think wanted them to know and wants us to know, that I will give you authority or he will give authority to us. So a signet ring is a seal of a king, a seal of authority. And what he's telling us is, I'm gonna give you authority. He said, I'm gonna honor you. I'm gonna make you like a signet ring. Jesus could have stayed. You think about it, he could do what he wants. He could have said, I'm not gonna ascend. I'm gonna live here among you. I'm gonna keep traveling and preaching the gospel and making sure everybody sees me in their lifetime. I'll live forever because I'm never gonna die again. You guys will all die and I'll see you in heaven one day. He could, have, he could have chosen to let salvation come. But what did he do instead? He made us his, Second Corinthians says, ambassadors. We are the authority of God on the earth. Why? Not because we're so good, because he decided to put his spirit in us. So it's almost like he took the signet ring of heaven and he put it on our finger. And he said, everywhere that you walk as you live, listen, you have the authority of God in your life, the anointing of God in your life. I love this verse, 2 Timothy 1.7. Here's what he says. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power of love and self-discipline. God gave you authority. Just pondering in my own mind and knowing my own weakness. It's so easy to forget that the challenge that's in your life, the struggle, the place where you wanna see God make change, it's so easy to uh, 
to think that you're on your own. But God has given you authority. There's nothing that can have authority over you unless you give it. See, did you know that your sin doesn't own you? Some of you may go, look, I don't really have that bad of a past. Like I was a pretty good person all my life. You still need Jesus saving, right? But then others, you're still beating yourself up as a Christian. You're still not living your full potential, still not stepping into the vision because your sin in part, you feel like still owns you. The cross says otherwise. God gave you his authority. He doesn't give his authority unless he has forgiven your sin. Did you know that your shame doesn't own you? You know, I know, you know how I know this feeling? You can feel very called to do something great for the Lord, but because of the shame that weighs down on your heart, it could be from your you know, historic past or even you know, recent history where you made mistakes. You let your mind go places. You did things you regret. And shame feels like it owns you, but you have a God that says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear and timidity. I gave you power, love, and self mind. I gave you authority in this world. Your shame doesn't own you, you're mine. Your past doesn't own you. The mountains in, that pa- in the path of the vision God has given you, they can't stop you because you've been given authority. I thought about what, what if we got up out of our seats today? What about this Oakwood? Get up out of your seat, put on your shoes. You know, if you got them off, that's fine too. Put back on your shoes and you walk out of the doors going, I have the authority of God on my life. Again, not in a prideful way, But I think it's time. I mean, we want to be confident. We're taught to be bold and confident in every way. What if we got confident in the fact we got the Spirit of God living in us? That everywhere I go, that my God is going before me, behind me, around me, He's there. I can live new life. I can be forgiven. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, even when I'm in the middle of a suffering season. Look at this last part right here, because this has kind of got, everything else is in future tense so far. He says, I will overthrow. I will make you a signet ring. But then he gives one present tense. Look at this. I have chosen you. Here's what God says. I choose you. You want to get something to just give your heart peace this morning? God could have sent angels to fulfill his purpose. He could have stayed here in the flesh to fulfill his purposes. He chose you. It's hard to believe when you got a past. It's hard to believe when you still got struggles right now that you wouldn't want anyone else to know about. How could God choose me? That thought went through my mind this week. How and why would God choose me? How could he love me? I mean, y'all know me. You you know, I, I sometimes like, how could Courtney love me? But God knows me even better than that. And he still says like, you're mine. I choose you. There's something powerful about somebody choosing you when they had no other no reason to there was no obligation to one of the most powerful pictures of agape love i think is when somebody chooses another person whether it's you're choosing to get married to a spouse you're choosing you know obviously we love our kids but you choose to adopt a child it's such a beautiful picture of the gospel to me because it's like i choose you I didn't have to but like i I choose you i want you it's just such a strong strong love to choose How do you know that God chose you? How do you know that he's for you? How do you know he chose you? Well, you can know in one if that God chose you because you've already surrendered your life to Christ. If at some point in your history, Jesus already kind of knocked on your heart or however it happened, you felt drawn to him or maybe the, the, the gospel just made sense to you, the story of Jesus, and you said, yes, you know God chose you. But you know another way that you can know God is choosing you is if he's bringing you to that point now. 
I thought about Layla. I think she would have gotten baptized at the lake that day, little Layla that got baptized this morning. I think she probably would have gotten baptized that day, but she walked through a process, kept walking through it, and God working on her heart. Maybe somebody's in that same place this morning, just wrestling out your salvation, wrestling to the point of surrender. You know God's choosing you if you feel him drawing you. If the word is making sense to you, listen, God is calling you in, saying, I'm for you, you matter to me. Let me give you a couple questions as we wrap this up this morning. Here's the first one. Have I accepted the fact that God is for me? It's just a, it's, it's a mind change. God is not against you, even if life has come against you and it's hard. God is not against you. Scripturally speaking, the cross says otherwise. He is for you. Now, here's another one. Do I live like it? Do I put my shoes on every day and live like God is for me? So before you jump off today, right here in this moment, do you really believe that, that you have a God that's for you? You have a God that loves you. You have a God that fights for you. You have a God that wants to bring healing to you and help you live the new life version of you. See, here, here's what uh, a thought that, that came to my mind this week. We can believe that God doesn't hate us. You can finally get to that point. You can believe that, you know, God loves you. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you live like God is for you. Maybe you need to hear this. If you're in a really difficult valley right now, you have a God who will show up, lean into him, cry out to him. Believe him. Keep, keep the faith strong. God will show up. Time and time again, he proved it. It wasn't on our timeline, but he will show up in your life. Keep leaning in. So maybe you need to hear this. You have a God that will keep fighting for you. He is fighting for you behind the scenes. See, right now, every war that's physical and every war that we see in life that you're fighting, there's an invisible spiritual war going on behind it. You may think it, it's just a physical thing. It's just bad things that happen. But here's the thing. You have an enemy. There are demons that rage against you. There are powers of darkness that you can't see and that you're no match for on your own, raging against you. You have a God fighting for you. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, then He is fighting from the inside out for you. But not only that, you have authority. Maybe that's what's holding you back, really believing that you are who God says you are. You are a child, you are chosen, you're an ambassador, you are worthy. Ephesians says you're a masterpiece, that God calls you those things. But until we really believe it, listen, it's not about being prideful and being better than, it's just about having a confidence to put your shoes on every day and go, I'm a child of God. Who he says I am, I am. Everything he says in his word is true and I'm just gonna live it today, even if I don't see it or feel it right in this moment. But also we have a God that chooses us. You can't make God change his mind about you. When he came and he died on the cross, that anyone who would believe in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life, he's basically telling us, look, it's permanent. I'll never change my mind about love. I've proven it. As Hebrew says, once and for all, I have proven my love. I was the once for all sacrifice for you. And so it comes down to this. You wanna step into the vision God has for your life? Let go. Believe him. Surrender. Maybe if you've never surrendered to Jesus, that's a decision today to just realize God is for you and just say, Jesus, I surrender. But I think for all of us collectively, as his people, it is time. The time is now. The alarm clock is going off in our life. It's time to get up. Start leading our families. Start leading ourselves. Start stepping into the vision God has for our life and watch what he does. Listen, 
You have a God that is for you and loves you. You have a church that is for you and wants you. You remember this, you matter. Everywhere that you step as a child of God, God goes before you, behind you, around you. He is for you and you are loved. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.